Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. I hope you're all enjoying your morning so far. My name is Jared Lanza, and I'm the pastor here at Encounter Church. And I just want to welcome all of you, whether this is your first time with us. We are especially glad that you're here joining us today. Uh, whether this is your first time or whether you've been coming since, we've, uh, since the beginning, we're just thankful that you're here with us and, and hope that today, above most days, it's a very special day, and we hope that today will be a day that really speaks to you. I'm excited about this message. It's encouraging. Uh, real quick, before we jump into the message, I do want to just say, first of all, that yesterday we had our, our second annual big hunt, and it was amazing. Uh, the total count was 616 people who came to Arsenal Park just right next door. And we, it was, yeah, give God glory for that because he was the one who brought people out. We were able to, to share God's love in a practical way with people. We gave away hot dogs. We had 3,000 eggs. We had a bounce house, face painting, crafts. The Easter bunny was roaming around. It was a fantastic day. And you know what the best part of it was? We got to see families just having fun together. And the, the conversations that I've had with our team was, as much as it was great having a lot of people there and we got to have some publicity for our church and all of those things are great, but you know what? It was really fantastic about it was is you don't know how many families struggle every day and came to the egg hunt and had a chance finally to be able to have some fun with their kids. I mean, you just don't know the impact that, that can make on someone's life, and, and that's why we do it. Yeah, we want people to come to church, but we want people, we want to meet their needs and provide for families in our community, and then we know that one day we'll be able to speak into their lives. So thank you. For all of you who helped uh, put on that event yesterday, it'll be an annual thing, um, but uh, it was such a great day. And we're also very excited. Today is Easter Sunday. We have an iPad giveaway, so if you haven't had a chance to make sure, uh, if you haven't had a chance to fill out a connection card to be entered into that drawing, please make sure you do that. And if, you know, get out and get it to the Connection Center if you haven't already. Uh, We have some gift cards. I mean, that's just something we do for fun to bring people into the house because we believe this message is encouraging uh, and is important for people to hear. But next week, we're also excited. We're having our very first black and gold Sunday. And this is something that's very unique to Pittsburgh. If you've been around the Berg for any period of time, you know that the Steelers, the Penguins, and the Pirates, and now the Riverhounds, I guess, are like a big deal in this city, probably bigger than many other cities around the country. And so we like to celebrate that here. So next week, when you come to church, wear your favorite black and gold outfit. I think I'm going to be wearing a Penns jersey because I think they will be guaranteed to at least still be in the playoffs at that point. Um, so I'll be wearing a Penns jersey next weekend. You can wear a Steelers jersey or a Pirates jersey or a T-shirt or whatever you'd like to do just to celebrate and it's fun. And then right after service, we're going to have a, a tailgate party. Hopefully, if the weather's good, right on the patio over here. And we're going to have cornhole and we're going to have some chips. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're giving away uh, four pairs of Pirate tickets. So come on out next Sunday. Bring your friends and your family. It's going to be a lot of fun. Really excited about uh, this weekend and next weekend. Okay, so we're going to jump right in to our message today. The last two weeks we have been talking about, we've actually been in a series called Reset. And this is our third week of the series. The first week was about the problem. We all suffer from an issue that is inside of us, which we now know is our sinful nature. There's just a a disease that runs rampant through all of humanity. We are born with it. There's nothing we can really do about it. And then we learned that week two was that last week was that there's a solution to that problem, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to earth, died on a cross willingly, gave up his life for us, 
so that we could have forgiveness. And then what happens is it creates a new nature. We learned last week that, that, that Jesus, when, when we decide to follow him, that his spirit comes inside of us and actually creates a new creation, a new being inside of us, and gives us the ability to fight against our sinful nature. So Jesus is the solution to the problem. We said that God wants to write a new story in our lives. Last week we talked a lot about moving beyond the past, our wounds and our pains and our hurts, and being able to move forward in what God has for us. He wants to partner with us to build a new story, to write new chapters in our lives. And next week we get to talk about what do we do with all of this? How can we, how can we change our world and take this with us? But this week I'm really excited because most of you know today is Easter Sunday. If there's anyone who doesn't know today is Easter Sunday, you are probably the only person in Lawrenceville, maybe even in the United States, who doesn't know that today is Easter Sunday. But the thing is, is that you might say, well, okay, just because I know that it's Easter doesn't mean that it really makes any difference to me. Why is this day any more important than any other day? Maybe you've, maybe you've gone to many Easter services. Maybe you have been to church, you know, a lot in your life. And, or maybe you've never been to church, but you only go at Christmas and Easter. And you think, why is it that everybody goes to church on Easter? Like, what's the big deal about this one day? I mean, I get to dress up. In traditional churches where I grew up in, you know, you dress up, you wear your Sunday best outfits. You know, um, I actually had someone ask me, they asked my wife, Heather, are you going to buy a new hat <laughs> for Easter? That's not really from my culture, but that's, that's a very common thing. Ladies would buy a hat, a new hat for Sunday. They wear a nice dress, and they go to church with their family. Um, you know, and this is just sort of what Easter is about, right? Oftentimes, people think about Easter a lot more about dressing up in the family dinner than they do about actually the point of what Easter is really all about. Now, when I grew up, wow, am I boring you guys that much? I got a little cricket out there? No, I'm just kidding. Um, when I grew up, my dad's a pastor. My mom and dad have both been, have both been uh, ministers all, all my life. And so I know what it's like to grow up in, in an Easter service. I have been, uh, for, gosh, more than I could ever remember, I think I've heard the Easter ser- sermon series about Jesus rising from the grave uh, and more times than I could probably count. And the thing is, is that I felt like, and this is just me being honest with you as I usually do on a Sunday morning, um, I, I felt like growing up, if I were honest, that I just, just like, I've heard this message before. How many times did I go to church on a Sunday morning, on Easter Sunday? How many more ways can you tell me that Jesus, you know, came, died on, on a Friday and then was not in the grave on a Sunday, right? That was sort of, as a kid, as a teenager growing up, I thought, what? Why do I need, what, what's so special about Easter? And maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you've grown up, you know, been going, attending to, to t- attending churches. Maybe you've been to a Catholic church. Maybe, you've, maybe you grew up in the Catholic faith. And I'm not knocking on the Catholic faith, but I know that a lot of times in the Catholic faith, you tend to think more about the, the negative side of things. There's a, more of a guilt associated with things. A lot of times in the Catholic faith, you, you, they're actually, when you walk in the door, there's a big crucifix right on the wall. You know, and, and so the idea is more or is less about Jesus rising from the dead, and it's more about the penalty that he paid for you, right? There's this idea that, that, that we should always be mindful at all times about the death of Jesus Christ. And I, and I will tell you that it is true. We need to recognize the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. But that was only one half of the story. Or maybe, maybe you're on a, a different boat, maybe not the Catholic side, maybe more of like a Protestant or an evangelical side, and your depiction of Jesus is more about the passion of the Christ, right? It's this brutal, sort of like violent death that Jesus lived for, for us, okay? 
And I think we have some, some images on the screen of both the crucifix and, and also the passion of the Christ. And I mean, this is, this is violent. This is, this is Hollywood at its best, putting out what it would be like for, for Jesus and the crucifixion. And I think both are equally true. But I think oftentimes what we do is we focus so heavily on the death of Jesus Christ that we forget the good news that comes with it, the resurrection, and all that it really matters for us. And maybe you've been going to Easter for, for all of your life and you think, this is boring or this is irrelevant to my life. I just don't know how this matters to me. And I am excited because I feel like today I get to talk about why it matters, why the resurrection truly matters, excuse me, matters to us. Maybe you're hungry for something more. Maybe you're looking for something more. Maybe today you said, you know what, I'm going to go to church one last time to see if maybe there's something that, that makes sense for me. And I'm here to tell you today that I believe that God is alive. I believe that Jesus is alive. I believe that he's active today. I believe that he knows that you were going to be here and that he has a message just for you today. If you were one step shy of giving up on faith or even maybe on life, I'm glad that you're here today because I believe this message is for you. But it's also for, for all of us who, who, even for those of us who already believe in Jesus, who believe in the, the resurrection and the death of Jesus Christ, because this is going to add meaning to our lives. And here's something that I wrote down this morning or, or earlier this week and I was preparing. As I was thinking about how most people focus on the death and the sacrifice of Jesus, I wrote this. I said, the beauty of the gospel is that in Jesus' death on the cross, he paid for our forgiveness, which is true. It's so true. But with his resurrection... He started the process of making everything right again. Everything in the world right again. Think about that for a second. People all the time say, how can God sit up in heaven and see the pain and the tragedy that's going on in our world and just sit there and do nothing? I mean, raise your hand if you've ever heard anybody ever ask that question or say anything like that. I mean, it's a common thread in our society. We, we all recognize the problem that is in our world, and we say, if God loved us, why would he just sit there and let it all happen and do nothing? But the truth is, is that he did do something. He acted. He sent his son Jesus to come to earth to pay the penalty for all of our sin, and the very fact that he rose from the dead and conquered death ultimately means that he hit the reset button that gets to start everything over again. And that is really what I'm excited about. We're going we're gonna to take a journey back into the Bible and, and understand how Jesus changed everything today. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to pull it out right now to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Now this might be a familiar story to you. If, if this is your first time at church or maybe you haven't been in a while, it might not be quite as familiar. But a little backstory before we get to this part of the story here, Jesus has already been crucified and he was buried, okay? So at this point when we pick up the story, he has been in the grave for two days, okay? So if you can imagine what that would be like, you know, if you were to go to the morgue or anything like that, that's what Jesus' body would look like inside of a tomb, okay? So that's where we pick up right now, Matthew 28. And there's quite a bit of scripture here, so just kind of follow along with me. Verses 1 through 9. And it says this, it should be on your screen here. Early on Sunday morning, Jesus was crucified on a Friday. As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. It's kind of interesting, right? He rolled the stone away and just kind of sat there. 
I don't know, it was just interesting to me. His face, verse 3, shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. It clearly was not an individual that you would see on a normal basis. Number Verse 4, the guards who were there posted, posted there to make sure that no one came to steal the body of Jesus. They were worried because Jesus had claimed that he was going to come back to life after three days. So they knew that, so they posted guards at his tomb to make sure that no one would get in there. So it says the guards shook with fear because there was an earthquake that had rumbled when they saw him, this angel, and they fell into a dead faint. I mean, it was just like as soon as they saw him, they were just overcome. I believe their face just turned white and they went and just popped over on the ground. The Bible doesn't tell us if they died or not, but they, it says a dead faint. Like they just hit the ground as if they just, their body completely lost all of its life. Okay, so what we have here is this, this, this scene of nature sort of revolting against itself, right? It's like this, this seizure that the earth is having. God is now directly intersecting with the world. He sent his son Jesus, who the people who crucified him thought, finally we can be done with this guy. Finally we can be done with all the pain and the anguish that he's caused us. He's in the grave. Let's get some guards over there. And now we'll work on the task of hunting down all of his disciples and getting them out of here too so we can go back to life as usual, right? That's what they wanted. But God says something otherwise. He decided to act. He has an earthquake that comes down. An angel comes down rolls away this massive stone that is basically covering this big cave, this empty tomb. And verse 5, it says, The angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I love this. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. And here here it is right here, guys. Pay attention. Verse 6. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. Verse 7. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And then verse 8, the women immediately ran away from the tomb. They were frightened because they didn't see Jesus yet, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. What a scene. What an amazing scene. I mean, imagine, what would that be like to see someone that you just watched die? You just saw this person die. Not just like they passed away quietly in their sleep, but a violent death. You are, you're sad, you're filled with anguish, and then you have a few days. I mean, this wasn't just immediately after, it was a few days. They've been marinating in their sorrow for a few days. And the Bible tells us that actually the disciples, the ones who were closest to Jesus, were actually like running away. They locked themselves behind doors because they were afraid. They were terrified of of the, the Jewish leaders who had crucified Jesus. So they were terrified. They were sad. They were in sorrow. And then as they get to the women, and I think it's interesting that, that the Bible tells us that the women were the first person. At that time, women were were regarded pretty low. They were not even allowed to be in the same room as men in most parts of their houses. So the Bible goes out of its way to tell us that women were the very first person, first people to see Jesus. And then as they're running away, as they're terrified, they had this amazing experience with an angelic being telling them that Jesus is risen. They run away. They hadn't seen him yet, and they bump into Jesus who's standing there. Could you imagine that sight? 
just to all of a sudden see someone that you saw was just disfigured on, the, on a cross who was beaten and who was laid in a tomb, wrapped up, and now all of a sudden is standing before you. And he's not bloody anymore. He's, he's in a transfigured body, a different form, a heavenly body, yet somehow still human, still, still with form. Imagine what that would be like. I think that a light bulb went off in their head at that moment, and it was like something clicked. And I love that it says they ran to him, they fell at his feet, and they worshipped him. Their first reaction was to worship him. Why? Because in that moment, they realized everything that he had said for the last three years. Everything that they thought that they knew about him, they could throw out the door because he was so much more than that. I mean, they had followed him around. They had seen him do miracles, but nothing could prepare them for, them, for the idea that he had enough power to be able to conquer and crush death. To be, able to, to be able to be laid in a grave for two days and then be able to get out. To walk out on his own power and to be alive again? I mean, all of a sudden, I can't even imagine what that would be like. I feel like that would be the only response, the only logical, the only reasonable response would be to fall at his feet and worship and say, Oh my gosh, forgive me, Jesus. I had no idea. I had no idea. Like, my mind could not possibly comprehend. And that's what they did. That's what they did. It was an amazing sight. They followed Jesus in life, but something clicked in that moment. Everything that just happened there went against all the laws of nature, right? Death is supposed to be the end. Death is supposed to be the the final defeat. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you were rich. It doesn't matter whether you were poor. It doesn't matter you were born in this country or that. Death is the great equalizer. Everybody dies. Nobody can beat it. Except for one man who had the power to to crush it, to put it under his feet. You see, Jesus overcame death and in the process unlocked all of our future. He rewrote the rule book, and that's the best part of this whole message, is that he rewrote the rule book. And so that brings us to our main point of the day, and it's on the screen here. If you had the notes with you, you can fill in the blanks. It's from our in our program there. It says, God's ultimate reset button was the resurrection. I want to I want to point this out to you for a second, okay? Everything that had happened for thousands of years, since the very beginning of time, the fall of man, what we found was men and women have struggled with each other, they have fought, they have beat each other, we've murdered each other, we've stolen from each other. All since the beginning when the fall of man, from that very first moment, there has been a problem that we have not been able to overcome. And since that time, we have gotten ourselves into all sorts of trouble, even to the point where the Bible actually says that we invent ways to sin. I mean, that, that's pretty bad, right? When you invent ways, you get creative with it. We like being creative here at Encounter Church and in Lawrenceville particularly. Particularly, we just love to be creative and be artistic. But there's a whole nother level when you are artistic and creative in your depravity. And the Bible tells us that it's gotten so bad that we actually come up with ways to screw other people over. I mean, that's crazy, right? And so we sit here and we find that finally, 2,000 years ago, God says, enough is enough. I'm setting the record straight. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to restore all things back to create, all creation back to humanity. And he pushes a reset button. And that reset button was Jesus Christ coming to earth, dying on a cross to give us a way out of our sin. But then he pushes that button. The resurrection is Jesus coming back to life. And what that does is it marks the beginning 
of everything going back to the way that it was. I want you to think of like a reboot button, okay? Have you ever installed software on your computer? Most of me, I used to be, back when I was a teenager and I would talk to people, I would use computer analogies. And oftentimes they'd be like, what? Because computers are pretty new at the time. Now, most of us have computers. We all have installed some form of software. So you know what I'm talking about. When you install something, there's a little bar, a little progress bar that goes across your screen, right? That is exactly what we are living in right now. Jesus pushed the button, the reset button, and we are now in the reload process. That is exactly where we are. We're in the reload process. So there's a couple things about the resurrection that we're going to go through right now. Three critical elements of the resurrection. You might be saying to yourself, Jared, that's great. This is all lovely news that Jesus died on the cross. I can be forgiven. That's fantastic. And he rose from the dead. That's great. I'm not dead. So why does this matter to me? Right? I'll tell you why. Number one, it signals the restoring of all creation back to its original intent. This is, I think, probably one of the most exciting things in the Bible. When the resurrection happened, when Jesus Christ came out of the grave and conquered death, it signaled the restoring of all creation, everything, back to its original intent. Romans chapter 8, it's on the screen. You don't need to turn there if you don't want to. It says this, Romans 8, 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will. He's talking about creation now. He's talking about like trees and, and the rivers and the mountains. He's talking about everything that we see around us. All creation was subjected to God's curse. All of it. Nothing of its own fault. It was our fault. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us. It gives us a foretaste of what's to come, the future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. It's, he's saying, we know we see that our problem is dying. Our world is decaying. He says, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. Here's the, here's the key for this particular point. The great thing about the resurrection is that it does include all of us. Every one of us, everything we see, the trees, the clouds, Everything. You look outside and it, it, the, the pollution that we smell, the smog that's all over, all over our sky, the grass that's, de that's dead and decaying, the buildings that we see bombed out or, or, you know, like just the blight that we see in our cities, the roads, the, 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 the rivers and how they're drying up or how the resources all over our world are being drained. All of creation is groaning under this weight of the curse that is on all of humanity and all of us. And what happened is, in that moment, the resurrection was the beginning. The moment when God said, enough! And I will now, I'm going to restore everything back to way that, the way that it was before this problem came. There was the reset button that started everything. Because the Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ comes back for his children, at the end of everything else, when it's all over and said and done, when he has judged the world... 
What it says is that he is going to restore all creation back. Everything is going to be back the way that it was supposed to be. We will live without, without, without overusing all of our resources. We will treat each other the way that we're supposed to with love. In, in the book of Revelation, it actually talks about this. It says that there will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. And that extends over to the rest of creation. Now, I am not, if anybody you knows me, I am not like, you know, an environmentalist individual. I'm not what individuals would call a tree hugger. But I do respect God's creation. God created everything that we see. He gave it to us for our use, but also not for our abuse. Okay? And so when, when Jesus Christ came out of the grave, it was signaling the beginning of everything going back to the beginning, going back to the way that it was supposed to be. And we're not just talking about creation. We're also talking about our relationships. We're talking about our friendships. We're talking about our, our families. We're talking about our bodies. If you're suffering with a disease and you've been, you've been dealing with it all your life, the Bible tells us that there will come a day, whether in this life or the next, that you will be healed. That you will no longer suffer from these pains anymore. The, the, the groanings, the pains that it says, all creation, and creation is us, it's everything. We are all groaning. We're longing for the day when our sin, our suffering, our death, our decay when all of it will be ended. And the Bible tells us that because of the resurrection, because of Jesus coming back to life, that not only was he coming back to life, he was bringing everything, all of our souls, he's bringing all of creation, all of our pain, everything is back on the road to healing. All of it, everything. Can you imagine what that would be like? One day where there's no more suffering, where there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, no more sadness. Sounds like an amazing place, doesn't it? And even though that's not here today, the resurrection signaled the beginning of it. And you can see glimpses of it. You can see glimpses of it when, when people find Jesus and their hope is restored in their life and their marriages are restored. You can see it with my mom. My mom is a perfect example of this. My mother grew up in an abusive home. My mother grew up with a father who was a drunk and who would, would occasionally physically abuse, more so emotionally abuse, verbally abuse her and, her and the rest of her siblings. My mother found Jesus at a pretty early age, and her life was never the same. I am here today because of my mom. I'm here because my mom made a choice to follow Jesus. She saw the hope that was found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. The resurrection not only was for Jesus, it resurrected her soul. And ultimately, that choice to follow Jesus set her life on a path that has restored relationships she broke the legacy of death and suffering and anger and violence in her family because of Jesus Christ. And that's what's available to us. Every one of us has the ability to show our world little glimpses of creation making its way back to the beginning. Each of us, when we have Jesus Christ living inside of us, it starts inside of us. And then we move it beyond that. We move it forward. I actually have a, a tattoo right here on, my, on the right side of my arm. If any of you have seen it during the summertime, it's a dove here, which is the Holy Spirit, which symbolizes that. And there's a man who's sort of just sitting kind of like with his arms up. And it symbolizes what happens in this moment. The resurrection of their soul. I call it resurrection by fire, okay, because it's got like this sort of fire cloud. And it's the Holy Spirit, which is symbolic of fire, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit's power. That's, I got it because I always wanted to be a reminder of what happened to me. My life, the gentleman on my arm is kind of, he has bruises and cuts and he's sort of bleeding a little bit. And it's just to symbolize the soul that is being resurrected 
because of the life power of Jesus, because of the resurrection power. And that's what happens. We are all in a reboot phase. We're all in a reload phase. And one day that bar is going to go all the way to 100% and everything is going to be back the way that it's supposed to be. But until then, you and I have a job to do. We get to, to move forward in partnering with Jesus and sharing his life and his love. Number one was that. It was that the resurrection signals the restoring of all creation back to its original tent, intent. The second critical element of the resurrection is that it actually affects our lives. It affects our lives. Colossians 3 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. That's key there. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. And then he gives us an action point, an application step. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking inside you. Lurking. What a word. That's a great word. Lurking. There are, I mean, when you lurk, I think of lurking as sort of like sneaking around a corner. I think of, um, you know, just sort of being in the shadows. That's what I feel like our sinful nature is. Because... Because Jesus Christ is light, because God is light in the darkness of our lives, when we follow him, the resurrection tells us that when Jesus Christ came to life, when we decide to follow Jesus, that same power lives inside of us and resurrects our soul. Remember what I was talking about with my arm, okay? Resurrects our soul and creates that life in the darkness of our life. At the same time, though, because that light is shining, the sinful nature in you now has to hide. It now has to sort of like be sneaky about its ways of, of grabbing you, okay? Like if you see it coming a mile away, you're going to be able to tell it to leave or, or do something about it. It's the little things. It's the little temptations. It's the, the little tiny things that sort of creep into your brain, that creep into your mind, that want to tangle you away and pull you away from the Lord. That's the, way, that's the way sin is. So he's telling us, because we were died, we died, we were buried in, in our sin, in our death. When we accept Jesus Christ and we say, I want to I follow you, Jesus. I, wanna, I want the life that you have for me. What we're saying is I'm willing to put my old self to death and I'm going to raise up as a new creation. That's the resurrection inside of us. It affects us. The resurrection is not just Jesus. It affects all of us. Each one of us now have the ability to rise up in life. Whatever has been in your past, whatever, we talked about this last week, but some of you guys weren't here, and I feel like it's a good thing to hear, is that you have pain, you've got suffering, you've got heartaches, you've got just, you know, anger, you've got frustration, whatever it is in your life, whatever it is in your life that you have been holding on to, Jesus wants to crush it. And he wants you to be able to move on. I am not saying forget the pain that you had. I'm saying do not let it define you anymore. Do not let it define you. You are not your past. You are who God wants you to be in your future. But you cannot get there until you decide to follow Jesus Christ and move forward. And the only way that that happens is, is to partake in the resurrection that he has for us. You have to be able to move forward. And I promise you guys, he wants to give us a new life. He wants to write that new chapter, the resurrection. It affects us. We put to death the, er the sinful things, the earthly things that drive us away from Christ. And number three, the resurrection is worth reflecting on. Some people ask us, 
every Sunday, why do we do communion every week? Or why do we have these candles on the front? And this is sort of my opportunity to kind of share a little bit of scripture, but also to tell you a little bit about why we do some of the things that we do. We do two things every week. They're called sacraments. One is called communion. And then, well, I'm sorry, we do both of them. We do one of them, and then there's another one we do regularly. It's called baptism. The first one we're going to talk about is communion. 1 Corinthians 11:26. We won't spend a lot of time here, but it says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. This is called the Lord's Supper. And all throughout Scripture, you see the apostles, it says they would get together and they would share the Lord's Supper together. All this is, is just every time we eat from this piece of bread or from this cup, when we do that, we're just remembering. The resurrection is worth reflecting on. It's worth remembering on. And this right here is the opportunity for us every week to say, I'm going to take time out of my day, take time out of my week, and just center myself back to the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's all communion is. It's not, it's something fancy, it's something magical, it's just an opportunity to be able to remember and meditate on something powerful that has the ability to dramatically change your life. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what pain you have gone through or are going through or have been through, the death and resurrection of Jesus trumps all of it. He's paid for all of it. Every single bit of it. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you life. There is life in the bread and in the cup. And that's all it is. We're just remembering. Communion. We do it every week because we want to make the conscious choice to remember who Jesus Christ is. The next thing is, is baptism. This is not something we do every week. We're actually going to be doing our first baptisms probably in the summer. And Colossians 2.12 says this, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So baptism is just a symbol. Again, it's another symbol. But this one is more of a choice. It's an action. The Bible teaches us that when you decide to follow Jesus, that you should be baptized. And all that means is it's a public display showing people that you have made the choice to leave behind your old life and to move forward with a new life in Christ. So that scripture talks about it. It says that when you were buried in your old sin, but raised to life, not by your own ability, but by the power of Christ. And that's the great thing of this image here is you have a person who is, who is, who is dunking the individual and pulling them up. That person cannot do it on their own. If they were to go backwards, they cannot come back up that way, it's, it would be incredibly difficult for them to do it. That's why it's a symbolism of having another individual do it. You are saying when you go under the water that you are that you're putting behind you all of your, your past, all of your sin. I, Jesus, I, I repent of everything I've done, all the wrong, screwed up, messed up choices I've made in my life, all of my selfishness, all of the greed, everything that I have that I've done wrong, all the things that get me nowhere... I've, just forgive me for them. I've just turned from them right now. And it says when you go under, it's symbolizing putting to death. You're burying your past. You're burying all of it. And then you're raised to life. So why do we do that? Again, it's worth reflecting on. We reflect on the resurrection of Jesus when we are baptized. And baptism should be celebrations. Even, even in, in other aspects of Christianity, there's different denominations or different organizations. Some people baptize babies um, and, and different things like that. In, in our church, we, we, we do baptism by immersion because of the symbolism that's involved with it. We just, it's just so powerful. 
It's, it's this idea of, of when we get together, it's like a party. I want people to be baptized because they're excited for what Jesus has done for them. And, then, and even if you've been baptized, it's still worth reflecting on because now I get to see what God has done in that person's life. So it's a celebration. We're reflecting on every single time someone is baptized. We're reflecting on the resurrection, not only in Jesus' life, but in your own. Which is then a greater symbol for the resurrection that is coming for the rest of the world. The, the creation all coming back, to, coming back together. So not only is the creation... Not only is the resurrection the signal that restores all of creation back to its original intent, it affects our lives personally, and it's worth reflecting on. I'd like to challenge you today with with a couple things. I want you today to decide. This is the challenge for the day. Decide today to join in his Jesus in his restore, restoration of creation. And that can start in a couple different ways. It could start with you if you're already a follower of, of Jesus. Just pick something. Pick one thing. Find what God is doing and join him in it. I mean, the only way that things get better is when we work towards them getting better. You can't just, it doesn't just happen overnight, right? Each of us has to join in something. But maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you say, I don't believe in Jesus or I haven't made that decision to follow him. I am not a Christian yet. I, I'm still exploring those things. I would challenge you today to take a step closer to him and explore him further. I would, I would invite you. Today is an invitation for you to, to say, I want to try out this relationship with Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about the resurrection, about, about Christianity, about faith in general, is that everything in our faith hinges on the resurrection. Okay? Follow me for a second on this. Jesus, throughout his ministry, said that I will die and I will be raised up after three days. He did miracles. He did all sorts of things. Okay? Everything he said, he said, I am the son of God. Jesus believed that he was the son of God. He knew that he was divine. And he told all of his disciples the same thing. Okay? Now, whether or not you believe that Jesus rose from the grave or not hinges on everything. Because either Jesus was a lunatic, he was either crazy, who said, who thought that he was God, who had some mystical ability to be able to perform miracles, and then all of a sudden his, you know, maybe his disciples hid his body or, or whatever. Either he was crazy and he is actually dead, or he is who he said he was and he is alive. Those are your only two options. You can't have one or the other. And the thing is, I mean, there is plenty of historical evidence that Jesus was seen by over 500 people in the, the weeks after he was crucified, after he was raised from the dead. There is historical evidence from non-believer, non-Jewish writers who actually said, I talked to this person who said they saw Jesus. And there are all plenty of other different, like, different, different illustrations or examples of when Jesus was there, okay? And, and there's so many other arguments. It's like, if if Jesus, if his disciples had hidden the body, do you think that 2,000 years later that we would still be so passionately about this concept? Or what if some arguments actually say that the Jewish leaders hid Jesus' body? What possible good would come from that? The very fact that they're trying to squelch this concept of this Jesus, them hiding the body is only going to get the disciples riled up and excited that they think that their, that their master has been resurrected. What I'm trying to say to you today is if you find yourself today and you're skeptical and you're thinking, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing, 
Listen, you either you have to make a decision at some point. You have to say, I either believe that Jesus said who he was, or I take the stand and say that he is dead and he is not here. And look, I'm just telling you right now that I know Jesus is alive. He has changed my life. There are so many things that have happened. I know he lives inside of me. I have seen supernatural things happen in my life. If you talk to, there are several people in this church who can tell you stories about amazing things that have happened in their lives because they've made the decision to follow Jesus. The healing that has taken place in their life. The supernatural power that comes from it. And I'm not trying to like weird you out. What I am saying is that at some point you have to just make a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. But everything that I have said today, all of it, doesn't make a difference in life if you don't believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that he resurrected. Everything. And then, I mean, there's even scripture that says it, and I, I actually cut it out of my message, but I just feel like I had to hit this piece. It's actually in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, the writer of that book, was talking about it, and he was saying, he said, some people say that there is no resurrection of Christ. There is no resurrection of the dead. And he said, let me tell you this. If... There is, in fact, no resurrection. If people don't come back to the life, if Jesus didn't, then everything that we have done is useless. He actually says that. Paul actually says that everything that we have said about Jesus, everything, if he hasn't risen from the dead, every single thing that we have done and said for other people about him is useless, is meaningless. And yet, the worst part of it is, is that we're all still suffering from the same problem that we talked about two weeks ago. We all recognize there's a horrible problem, I believe Jesus is the solution to that. And if you don't believe that, then we're all stuck in the same place without a solution to our problem. I don't know. I I just feel like maybe there's somebody in the room who needs to hear this today. I'm not usually this kind of firebrand, but I I just, I get excited about what Jesus has done. And and I hope that the resurrection, this concept of of this man who came to earth, who, who died on a cross willingly for us, and who, who had the power to come out of the grave, that it signals the hope and the healing that is available for each of us. Every one of us has the option to believe it. Would you pray with me? Jesus was standing in heaven in the book of Revelation, verse 1. There's a vision that John was having. And he sees Jesus, and I love this verse. Revelation 1, 17 and 18 says this, is when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. And this is just the best part. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. I hold the keys of death in the grave. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has conquered the grave. He has given us the ability to step out of the shadows of our past, out of the shadows of our former lives. He's given us everything that we need to begin to start fresh and to start new. And not just, he didn't just stop there. He said, I'm going to make it all right. I'm going to fix everything. All of it. That's the great hope of our faith is that one day we will all, we will all be healed. No matter what we carry with us, even the wounds that don't fully heal until we die, one day we will all be healed.
everything will be made right again. So no, God is not sitting up in heaven watching everything just be destroyed. He acted, and now we have a chance to move forward. And one day, we have the hope that the the power that Jesus Christ has inside of us, the same power that raised him from the dead, can resurrect our souls and bring us back to to who we were meant to be. He unlocked our future. And maybe today you're, you're sitting here saying, this is definitely a different kind of an Easter service than I've ever been in. And that's good because that's what I was hoping for today. But I hope that, that God has been speaking to you and he's been challenging you. And we always end our services with, with these two questions. The first question is, what is God saying to you today? I can't answer that question for you. Each of you has to, has to do that. I, want, I would like each of you just to close your eyes and search your heart for a minute. What is God saying to you today? today saying to you today? I believe he's whispering in someone's ear this morning, come home to me. You've been asking questions and today is the time when you have to make a choice. I'm believing that somebody in this room here today is, has been challenged by God to let go of pain, let go of suffering. I'm believing that today that there's somebody in the room right now who's saying, I have all sorts of questions. And I'm believing that God is whispering in your ear right now saying, I have the answers if you'll just ask them to me. That's the whole point of why we exist, guys. Encounter Church is here so people can know Jesus. Everything we do is just based around the idea of eliminating every possible barrier so that God can move in your life. I wonder, is there anyone in the room right now who, who wants to take a chance on what Jesus has to provide? It brings us to that second question. What are you going to do about it? Whatever God has been speaking in your heart this morning, what are you going to do about it? For some of you, it's just taking that step further. It's, it's the challenge that I issued to you. It's what is it that you see God is doing in your life? How can I bring restoration to my own life and to my family's life, to my workplace? What God is challenging you with you today. Some of you, that first step is just raising your hand in just a moment and saying, I want to take that first step today. I want my soul to come back to life, to be resurrected. I want to be a part of this bigger story, this bigger picture of all creation coming back to its original intent. Maybe you've grown up in a world and you've been beaten down and you just feel like you are, what you look at yourself in the mirror, that you are not what you were originally were meant to be. You see something else in the mirror. Today is an opportunity for you to start over and to become the original intent that God had for you. And all of us are that way. Whether you're a believer in Jesus and you follow Christ or not, every one of us today can take a, a step closer. We can, we can put to death the sinful things in our life and move forward and allow His Spirit to transform us into becoming the best version of ourselves. But now specifically, I want to speak to the person in this room. If there's anyone here who God's been tugging on your heart, I want to give you a chance. I'm just going to count to three in a second. And when I do, I want you to raise your hand. I just want you to raise your hand in a minute and just signal to me that you want to take that step today. I want you to just do that. It's nothing special in raising your hand. We're going to all pray together. You don't even have to pray by yourself. We will all pray together. 
I'm believing that this could be a landmark occasion for you. This is the chance for you to push that reset button in your life and to start fresh today, become a new creation. One, two, three. Is there anyone in the room right now? Yes, keep your hand up. Yes, anyone else in the room? Stretch your hand high. Is there anyone else in the room? Amen, amen. We have a few people in the room, that's fantastic. Would you all stand with me? Let's pray together. If everyone would just pray out loud today, let's pray out loud together. It just says unity as a group, and we're gonna pray together this prayer, but for those of you who raise your hand, this is the moment that's critical for you because the Bible tells us that when you repent of your sins, when you believe and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, it says that his spirit comes inside of you immediately and begins that resurrection process of your soul. You have the ability now. Jesus Christ will come inside of you and begin the process of making you whole again. So let's all close our eyes and let's pray this together. Jesus, I am sorry for everything I've done wrong. I believe in you. I believe in your hope. Now bring me back to life. Restore me with all creation to start over and to become what you made me to be. Lead me now in the rest of my life and make me a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving options. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.